the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of The Situation Report, where we do our best every week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. We, we talk often about culture, but one of the areas we don't often talk about is where culture and faith meet, and that's what we want to talk about today. My name is Jeremy Stolliker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux, and uh, this is uh, a huge topic for people of faith, and yeah. I recognize that not everyone would necessarily ascribe to the faith that you and I share, uh, may not be Christians, but when we, we consider culture at large, faith is a big part of what we do. And yeah. policies made in, you know, in, in the political world and the culture impact our faith. And how do those two things interact? This is a, a difficult question to navigate right now. Yeah. I mean, over the last years, I mean, particularly even the last year, our culture has just yeah. radically changed. And it seems like, it seems like, it feels like now, I hope it slows down, but it feels like right now right. it's just changing faster and right. faster and faster right. and faster. Things that things that you would if you would have said just two years ago, if you had said these things, you would have been a complete conspiracy right. theorist, <laughs> lunatic. You're a kook. That'll yeah. never happen. But this is happening every day, and nothing's right. shocking anymore. I mean, I mean, look, if I, if I was walking outside right now and I saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex walking by, <laughs> I probably just look at it and be like. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's been I a mean, weird year. It's been a weird year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy. So I mean. You know, since culture is changing so rapidly, you know, I think we're trying to react to it, respond to it. And and by, for people of faith, we don't shift with culture. Right. Uh, we can't shift with culture. Right. So it creates a, I mean, I'm not going to change my values and what I believe, uh, the Word of God says, because culture is changing. And so that creates a, a, a either a friction point or just kind of a tearing away right. that, uh, you know, has really just put people's at odds yeah and uh and it's caused it's caused division it's caused confusion and it's, it's leaving people searching for answers of how you know right. how to proceed i think for a lot of people it's it's backed them into a faith corner where they have to decide if this is real for them or not right uh, the idea of cultural christianity i think you know that's a phrase that's often used we are culturally christians we talk about america being a cultural or a christian nation and all those things the idea of christian cultural christianity has has largely gone away we're coming to a point, if we're not already there, that um, you can't just go along as a Christian. Right. You're going to have to make a real decision. And what's interesting is we can look even in the Bible back to the early church and say, well, they were in a, a time of real cultural paganism, and yet they managed to move <coughs> forward as, as believers, and they did a great job. And we talk about that. We preach about it. Well, now we're at a point where we have to figure out what does that actually mean. And right. um, it's been difficult to navigate, but it's also an exciting time for us to figure some of these things out. It is. I mean, anytime you get challenged like this, you get to yeah. really reflect on what you really believe, why you believe it, and what's, right. what's, you know, what's important. Yep. And thankfully, we have an amazing guest with us today to help us navigate that. Yes. Pastor Jeff Wells. I'm excited. Yep. Pastor Wells is the founding pastor of Woods Edge Community Church, where, incidentally, we're recording from today. Super. So it's awesome. And uh, a, a lot 
of story behind the Mighty Oaks Foundation and the relationship with Woods Edge Community Church. And we'll get into that at some point, I would imagine. Um, an author, a speaker, in addition to being a pastor. And of all the amazing things that you've done, <laughs> the thing I'm most taken with right now, a former world-class marathon runner with a two-hour and ten-minute time. Twice you said you did that. Twice, yes. That's incredible. Yeah, well, it's a uh, gift of God, grace of God that I've got good... Uh, Cardiovascular system. <laughs> I mean, you've done some other things too, but that's yeah, what I'm, I'm focused on right now. So we'll jump into the topic specifically. But before we get there, how do you go from being a runner to being a pastor? How did we uh, How did we get here? Well, well, I, I was uh, a new Christian at Rice University, a secular university in Houston, Texas, and I'd come to Christ. And during that year, God put on my heart to be full time ministry. And so I knew from a freshman in college that that was the direction I was going. I ended up going to seminary, but I also was a good runner, and Nike invited me to be part of their uh, first track team that really trained future potential Olympians. Yeah, well. And so it's called Athletics West. I moved to Eugene, Oregon for a year to train for the Olympic trials, but always back in my mind, the main thing was to do ministry. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So it was good. That's amazing. We're glad you did, because... Uh... You're my pastor. Uh, uh, Kathy and I attend yeah. uh, attend church here. This is the church that uh, Woods Edge is the church that uh, Mighty Oaks was born out of. I remember you commissioning us to get out. Yeah, and a, a lot has changed in the last ten years of Mighty Oaks, but a lot has changed with our world. I think I think overall culture mm -hmm. um, having a having a front row seat at ministry has yeah. really uh, exposed me to that. And I'm sure you have seen it a lot as as a pastor as well. Uh, the church and uh, particularly a church in America. I'm living through COVID and politics mm -hmm. over the last year has really been just impacted in the way we do life and how we integrate as, as Christians with culture. I believe culture is kind of as even faster paced than before has to run or faster paced yes. than before has run away from the church. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, as a pastor and as a leader in the church, how do you, how do you live? And even just as individual Christian, how do you live your principles out in your life as culture continues to get further and further away my Christian values. Well, you know, a couple of thoughts, Chad. You and Jeremy both have mentioned the the culture and the the, the changes. Uh, th this this last twelve months has been the most difficult period to pastor in my forty years of pastoring. Wow. I mean, the all that's going on in our nation, the divisiveness, the level of controversy, and really, uh, it's started with COVID, and there's plenty of controversy. Amazingly, with with COVID, it is fascinating to me. Uh, that's probably an overstatement. It's, it's frustrating to me that there is such a wide bandwidth of opinions about social distancing and wearing masks yeah. in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in this church, there are some folks who wouldn't be caught dead in a mask, and there are some <laughs> other folks who wouldn't dare come around people without a mask. Right. And it's just so uh, divergent. But then there was the racial controversy that mm -hmm. swept our nation and you know, that, that spills over because everyone knows that uh, race, that the Bible speaks against racism, but there are a lot of specific issues and questions that are uh, go beyond what the Bible says and are judgment calls. Right. And then, uh, besides that, the enormous political divide and turmoil. So it's been a very difficult, difficult country. And what I have tried to lead our people through is that we are foremost citizens of the kingdom. 
Our King is Jesus Christ. We follow Him. We pursue Him. We focus on Him. And we're unshaken by the world around us. And Psalm 46 is the great passage for that, that the, you know, the mountains topple into the heart of the sea, but the people of God can be unshaken because of our Savior. And so it ends with that great phrase and expression, so be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nation. I just want to remind our people and all of us that human rulers will come and go, but the gospel under King Jesus will last forever. Focus on him. Are, are there some specific, you know, tied to that, I was just thinking as you are speaking, are there some specific kind of markers in your life, regardless of what's happening in the world, I'm going to do these things every day, these things every week, these things every year. Yes. You know, some specific yeah. things people can say. Yeah. This is too confusing. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that, there, there is. Um, I was a, a, a new Christian at Rice University for six months when I go to a gathering of 3,000 college students in Dallas, Texas. The speaker was Howard Hendricks, who's mm. a professor at Dallas Seminary. Later, I had the opportunity to study under him. Several days in, he, he challenged us something like this. He said, if you're serious about walking with God, you'll meet with God for prayer in the Bible every day. And when I heard that, okay, you're serious about knowing God. You're serious about walking with God. I'm a new Christian. My heart left within me. Yes, that's me. I want to do that. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do it. And I remember going back to Rice University. It's my start of the second semester, freshman year. Probably the busiest time of my life. For four years at Rice, it was, they emphasized academics. I was a distance runner on the track and cross-country teams. I was involved with ministry, and I studied seven nights a week. But this became my priority. So in January 1973, that's 48 years ago this month, I began meeting with God every morning uh, before I'd start my day. Yeah. And I've done that 48 years since. And it moved from becoming a discipline to becoming the favorite part of my day that mm. I enjoy, enjoy and can't get enough. So if I had a watershed moment, Jeremy, after coming to Christ, it would be that decision yeah. in January 1973. And I actually look at it, you mentioned my, my running. When I was a world-class distance runner, I'd run about 100 miles a week. And never would it occur to me to get up and decide, should, do I feel like running today? Or should I run today? That just was already decided. Every day I was going to run, seven days a week. And most days, twice a day. And it's like that with, with my time with the Lord. I never get up and decide, is this going to... I'm going to work this in today, or do I feel like it? That's just what I do. That's what you're going to do. And I love it. I like that. Yeah. In, uh, in so many ways, um, this last year, it seems like the church, and I use that very, very broadly, yeah. not all churches, but, right, the, but church the church as a whole, has taken a back seat to culture Yes. and been led by it instead of leading through it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. How do, how do churches, you know, speaking to local churches, local church mm -hmm. pastors, and you know, I, I say this for people listening. You and I, I'm sure, would agree on this. Mm -hmm. I know so many pastors, and the vast, vast majority are very sincere men mm -hmm. who walk with God, who want to lead their church. But this has been a very confusing time. Mm -hmm. How do local churches get out in front again and begin leading culture instead of being wow. led by it? Yeah, that's great. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we need to be careful that we're not shaped by a particular uh, political party That's platform. Great. Great. Now, I recognize that there are some issues that are involved with politics that I don't consider primarily political issues or biblical issues. Yes, uh, Abortion is always wrong in the Bible. Um, the Bible defines marriage as a man and a woman. Things like that, of that, of that nature. But 
uh, it is easy to get swept into. If we just get the right president or even the right Congress, mm. um, our life is going to change. And certainly I believe and I encourage our people to vote, to pray, to do all that we could. And I love it when some of our folks run for office. Mm. However, we got to recognize, as Charles Colson taught us, Charles Colson was in the inner circle of the Nixon White House, and he taught us there is limited political power. We have evangelical presidents, and not a whole lot gets changed. We have evangelical senators, and not a whole lot gets changed. We want to do as much as we can, but until we get a spiritual revival, we won't have this fundamental change in our country that we desperately need. So doing what you guys do, uh, reaching soldiers one at a time who are desperate for Christ, that's the sort of thing that's going to make the difference. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. Great, My next question was kind of in that vein, so... um, maybe dig down a little bit deeper into that. So helping veterans at Mighty Oaks Foundation, as Jeremy and I have, um, I never had a, a desire to get involved in politics. You, you yeah. know this. My yeah. life was pretty set on what God called me to do, the burden God put on my heart to help veterans. But mm-hmm. beginning to do that, I learned mm-hmm. there were some obstacles yeah. in a way, some sure. uh, policy obstacles. Absolutely. And so I started working and changing some of those policies. Yeah. And uh, somehow I felt like it drug me into politics and I even had people kind of <laughs> kind of attack me, not really attack me, but just yeah. challenge me and say, why are you involved in politics? You're in ministry. Why are you involved in politics? And I'd say, well, I'm not really involved in politics. I'm involved in policy and yeah. making sure that we have the right policies mm-hmm. in place that, re- that represent mm-hmm. our values. And if I have a platform to do that, then I'll do that. Uh, in a, in a, I spent a lot of time working with you know, President Trump and the administration, but I never felt that I was really kind of championing a candidate. Yeah. I was championing those policies and values. Right. And I still believe that that was the right decision to make when I made it at the time. So from your perspective, you know, someone like myself in ministry or someone like you in the church, what's and just and members of the church, what's the relationship between faith and politics? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's very important to understand that uh, policies do matter. I mean, this is our culture. Right. Right. And we want to be salt and light in our culture in every way. And so certainly we want to uh, speak out against wrong and injustice. If we have influence, like God gave you and Jeremy with uh, the White House and some things, then certainly seize it and use it. But I think we're just keeping perspective that uh, the ultimate answers are not in are not in our culture and politics until we get a spiritual revival. It's interesting, even Douglas MacArthur, not known as a, as a Christian, but even in the 1950s, he said 
that the ultimate answers in America are not economic, they're not technological, they're not scientific, they are spiritual. Mm -hmm. And certainly we as the church uh, believe that. So what's the ultimate solution? That we're, that we're just, um, we can hold our views, vote uh, strongly our convictions, but recognize that there are some transcultural biblical values that apply to everyone. And they've been missing the last year among the evangelicals in America, mm -hmm. such as loving your neighbor who is differs from you, loving your enemy, not responding with anger, but love, having a sense of peace and trust that no matter what happens, God is in charge. God's going to have the final say. The gospel will ultimately triumph. Just some of those uh, surpassing values. People are so blinded by the anger and what they wanted and they get. I mean, I posted a video on uh, maybe just a few days ago, January, January, January 23rd, because uh, I reconciled that, yeah. okay, President Trump's our president. I know. Different. It's President Joe Biden, and, and I, so I challenged other people. We need to pray for our president. Absolutely good. Now that'd be and, unpopular. And, so. and uh, I knew it wasn't going to be popular, but people attack me with scripture and things like that. I'm like, like <laughs> wow. Jesus says, love, love, love our neighbors, love our, love our enemies. Yeah. I mean, uh, not just pray for your politicians, but politicians. love your enemies. Yeah. And, uh, well, and uh, also, you know, we're talking about somebody that sits in office that the stroke of their pen could really change our way of life. So I want to be praying that God, Absolutely. God could uh, guide that person's hand. Yeah. And uh, I think it's time that. We should. Absolutely. God can change Nebuchadnezzar. God can change anybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, so absolutely. So clear biblical value. Um, so I was part of the service yesterday. I say part of. I sat on the row, front yeah. row and okay. listened to you speak. Part so of. I was part of. Well, I gave um, Chad a couple of shout outs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yesterday for uh, for Woods Edge, uh, you announced that, you know, there's a new initiative for uh, small groups. Right. And part of that is what we in the church world call discipleship and yeah. it's investing in folks. And that's very important to you. I know mm -hmm. that because it's important to the church as a, you know, parent, a grandparent listening as people who have families that they're leading, how do you, you know, bring it down kind of micro level? How do you lead your families through periods of cultural change? This isn't the first one. Yeah. This won't be the last one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I can sit around the dinner table and complain about what's happening. Yeah. Or I can I can help my kids know how to handle it when I'm not around anymore. Yeah. What are some of the things you do to to influence your family? Well, along that line, uh, Jeremy, I just think about Romans 12 to not be conformed to this world, and and so many Christians, unfortunately, were conformed to this world in terms of the level of anger, divisiveness, um, condescension. The, you mm -hmm. know how the, those dumb people think the other way, <laughs> and, and I just think that if we ooze the love and the humility of Jesus Christ, that just modeling it and walking with it and, and refuse to kind of get swept up in the, we've seen really in some ways the idolization of politics. Now there is a, certainly a place for Christian Christians in politics, for every Christian to vote, to pray. But um, some folks will really look into political solutions as the, as the final answer. It's not going to happen. So I think just um, uh, loving people that are different, keeping in perspective that yes, I've got convictions, but ultimate answers aren't there yeah. in the gospel. Mm. Um, for me to keep walking with God, to meet with God daily, yeah. keep perspective. One of the things you said yesterday is you were talking about small groups. You gave, I think, five five things about yes, small groups we right. need to know. And one of those was kids are welcome. Yeah. And, and you, you said when you were explaining that, can you imagine what it would be like for a kid to come down from the room they're playing in or learning yeah. in? Maybe going to the bathroom or going to the kitchen, and they see mom and dad praying with a group of other I people. Know. It just and the impact yeah. that that has yeah. to model that behavior. 
So when I'm gone as a parent, mm -hmm. my kids can look back someday and go, this is confusing. What did my parents do? Yeah. They got together with other believers. Wow. They prayed. I think it did really impact them. I sure did. Yeah. Seeing your parents studying the Bible with a small group of adults or praying uh, has huge impact. And just uh, seeing your parents show up to worship with God's people. I know in COVID time that a lot of folks don't feel comfortable doing that, but as soon as they can, get back into the church. But, you know, one, one more thought, Jeremy, along the lines of your question. I, I, I do just, comes come, what comes to my mind is William Wilberforce. Maybe the other perspective. Here's the guy who did engage in the political arena. And you, it, you, the audience may know that John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, who was converted and became a, a longtime pastor in Britain, knew the Wilberforce family, a very wealthy family. William Wilberforce goes to him as a young convert and says, should I become a pastor? And he says, oh, no, don't do that. You stay in the parliament. And, you know, he fought the battle. He led the battle against slavery yeah. and fought it for 40 years yeah. and uh, finally turned it around. So there is a, certainly a place for Christians to oppose injustice, right. but to do it. I mean, he did it from such a theologically, biblically rich perspective, the sovereignty of God. He, he walked with God. Yeah. yeah. That credibility. That's incredible. Um, this wasn't one of the questions we had, but I, I love asking this question. Um, when you talk to people who are hopeless, and there's many of them, mm. What do you say or where do you point them for hope? Yeah, just, you know, for sure, I, I point them to Jesus Christ, that, you know, he is our hope. And that if you allow him, you surrender your life to him, you know, no matter what happens around you, you can live in his joy and his peace. And just, you need a Savior. Every one of us needs a Savior for our sin. Yeah. And that's only found in Jesus Christ. Well, speaking to one of my kids, uh, I have three children, and one of them was struggling the other day with depression, and they were... We're having a conversation about where I go, and mm -hmm. and I, I just went to Psalm Psalm ninety ninety three and uh, mm -hmm. or ninety three, right? Twenty three. Twenty three. Psalm yeah. twenty three. Um, the Lord is my shepherd; yeah. I lack nothing. I know. So and, and as, as simple as that verse is, mm. it, to me that if I meditate and, and actually just try to digest on what that verse means, mm -hmm. that power behind, oh, yeah. I lack nothing. Like I have everything yeah. that I need. That's and, so uh, rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. incredible. Thanks for this conversation, Pastor Jeff. I mean, I feel like we could sit here and talk yeah. all day. I kind of yeah. like to actually, but <laughs> yeah. I want to plug some of his. Uh, yeah, I was going to say we need to we need to let people know where they can follow the church and the work that you do. So yeah, definitely a church. But for those who are in the reading, uh, Pastor Jeff's written some uh, incredible books. In fact, I just read one. We're doing I'm doing a mentorship group oh, with yeah. you right now, and uh, yeah. one of the ones I just read was uh, uh, Unhurried Time with God. God. Unhurried Time, Time with God. God. Yeah. And uh, I just read it. It's an incredible book about. What Pastor Jeff's talked about about prayer and uh, that, that alone time with God, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I yeah. passed, I hit it to me, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. well, good. So, where can people find uh, information, church, your books? Yeah, well, woodsedge.org. Uh, we're Woods Edge Community Church in Houston, Texas, but our website, woodsedge.org. And you from there, you can access other things. Amazon, you can get uh, some of the books. I will mention, Chad, besides that, that book, um, uh, one specialty book for some of our audience is that I have struggled most of my life with OCD obsessive compulsive disorder and I know that mental pain of various kinds you mentioned you know the battle with depression which yeah. is a similar issue and um, I wrote about how God really gave me some real breakthroughs and if that book helps it's on Amazon too okay what's the name of it again Breaking Free of OCD. Breaking Free of OCD. Breaking Free of OCD. Yeah. It's great. Did you try to rhyme it? Or What's that? Did you try to make it rhyme? Ah, uh, yeah. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Really you appreciate bet, it. Jeremy and Chad. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank thank you. Thanks, so thankful for the insight and the wisdom of Pastor Jeff and, uh, man, the experience that he's had. He's been able to 
view this from a very historical perspective, even though he said this has been the most difficult year of ministry as a pastor. Uh, but such a great perspective moving forward in this and so helpful for us. I uh, want to sum up for you, and this is uh, always a helpful part of our show, this is today's Situation Report. The first thing we talked about was how culture is changing, and as culture changes, Americans need to respond to that. And as Pastor Jeff mentioned to us, what we as Christians, what we as people of faith need to do is understand that although we live in this culture, we are not of this culture. Uh, he mentioned that as he speaks to his church, he talks about how we Again, as Christians, if you are a Christian, are the citizen of another country, really, that spiritual country, and we need to be focused on where we actually reside. Spiritually speaking, that needs to be our grounding, that needs to be our truth, and that needs to be our focus. We talked about that and some of the things that that means. Uh, we then uh, looked at churches and how so many churches over the last year, particularly, have started to be led by culture instead of leading culture. And what exactly does that mean, and how can we as churches reclaim the leadership position? Uh, again, said so well. Churches need to be salt and need to be light. We, we know that from Scripture even. That's what the church should be in each community. And speak for those things that are biblical, even though they may also be political. Uh, those issues, uh, again, mentioned, um, whether it's sexuality or abortion and many of these things that have become political, but really they're biblical issues. We need to stand and we need to speak for those things but not being driven by a particular party. We need to be driven by and grounded by the truth of Scripture. Very, very important. And then finally, uh, we, we said, what are some things that need to be done as we lead our families, as we lead our homes? At the top of this conversation, Pastor Jeff said one of the things he will always do, he decided to do this 48 years ago, was spend time every morning with God. That's a grounding principle for him. But then on the other side of that, as we lead families, it's demonstrating, it's modeling the behavior that would reflect our belief in what the Bible teaches. Someday our kids and grandkids will have to make these decisions, navigate culture without us. What do they do? Hopefully they'll think back to a time when their parents, their grandparents, the people who influenced them were dealing with the same situation and doing it in a way that honored God. So many great truths and such a helpful conversation. And that is today's Situation Report. Thank you again for watching. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you tuning in with us. We'll talk to you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.